Well, recently I found myself kind of daydreaming. I was watching things unfold in my mind's eye. You know, I was just imagining some things. Well, there I was, sitting quietly. I imagined us as, as Yuma First Church going through the motions each Sunday morning as we would come to the church campus and we would walk through the required steps of actually being the gathered faith community as the church downtown Yuma each week. What I saw were steps, procedures, boundaries, following much debated requirements, and marching according to the rules, sitting in our designated places and behaving for about 50 minutes on Sunday morning, before we would quickly leave behind us a dead quiet campus for yet another week. And friends, that's pretty much what I saw. Again, I saw this in my imagination. Indeed. What are we doing here time after time, week after week, is the question that I have been asking myself. Indeed. And I might add in my humble opinion, there is something vital, essential, and life-giving to our community of faith that's obviously missing. It was then, it was at that moment that I realized Yuma First is an entirely different place when we are reaching out actively, intentionally, reaching out in love and service to the world around us. But our mission, outreach-oriented life, so essential to us as Yuma First, came to a screeching halt with the pandemic. I know that, okay? I know that. I also know it's time to get it back. So how do we get back as our main priority, the dimension of our church life, which is clearly, without a doubt, the most faithful and life-giving thing that we can ever possibly be doing? I share with you today from the book of Acts, chapter 4. Now, the whole, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each one, as any had a need. There was a, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of, of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So ends the short reading today from the book of Acts, chapter 4. Now, I know to some what I'm saying here today, you know, what I said about an essential and vital aspect of the church being missing. Some might say that that's an exaggerated and even a slanted view of our current status as a church. Many would say, hey, listen, we're doing the best we can, okay, just to meet together in person. And for the most part, I want you to know that I would agree. We have come a long way in our journey to reopen the church campus downtown Yuma. But we are also not doing enough as a gathered church. 
Let me give you a very specific example of a much larger and highly contested issue, an issue that we're experiencing today, right now, in our in-person gatherings on Sunday mornings. Someone recently had a pretty good experience on a Sunday morning until we reached the concluding moments of the worship service when we did not gather and we did not hold hands and we did not sing the concluding Amen, which is our tradition. In fact, the word was passed on to me recently that this person is so disappointed with the current no singing policy, they're not coming back to church until we can get back to our normal worship practices like the closing singing of Amen, the example that I just mentioned. It's almost as if in order for that person, and maybe for others, to effectively model their life after Jesus, they must have certain aspects of the worship service fully reinstated. Now, as I sift through the almost daily concerns about our time together each week, I want to consider this extremely important example that I just mentioned. So, before you formulate an opinion, give me a minute, please. Is holding hands and singing amen at the end of the worship service meaningful? Yes. Is holding hands and singing amen at the end of the worship service fun and enjoyable? Yes, of course it is. Is holding hands and singing amen at the end of the worship service an enriching aspect of a worship service? Absolutely. Is congregational singing together an enriching aspect of any worship service? Without a doubt. No question it is. Is holding hands and singing amen essential to concretely being the body of Christ in the world around us? Is holding hands and singing amen at the end of the worship service the authentic mark of a faithful community that genuinely loves God and neighbor? Is getting my temperature checked, observing social distancing, and wearing a facial covering, following all directions and holding hands while singing amen, are these the true and authentic marks of being a faithful follower of Jesus? How about this one? Is getting my temperature checked without argument, observing social distancing, wearing a facial covering, following CDC guidelines, and refraining from holding hands and singing, are these authentic marks of being a faithful follower of Jesus if the sole intent of this behavior is simply to protect the most vulnerable among us? Yes. Yes, those are an authentic mark of a faithful follower of Jesus. Okay, I get it. I know you get it, you might be saying. Pastor Mike, come on, this is starting to sound ridiculous, right? It's almost as if, in order for us to effectively model our lives after Jesus, we must have certain aspects of the worship service fully reinstated for Sunday morning in-person worship downtown. Now, maybe to you, this line of reasoning sounds preposterous. But folks, I'm here to tell you today, this is the kind of thing your leaders have, have been dealing with and having to wrestle with for weeks now. 
Here's what I want to know. Where are all the people insisting that we get back to reaching out in mission and ministry to the world around us? Where are all the people raising a ruckus insistently that we get outside and go into the city and feed the hungry and clothe the poor? Where are those people? Friends, don't get me wrong. Those people are here today. There are a small handful of those people. I guarantee you. But when speaking of the whole church as a community of faith, how do we get back as our main priority the dimension of the church, which is clearly the most faithful and life-giving thing that we could ever possibly be doing? In her very moving article, The Mystery of the Poor, Dorothy Day writes about a similar reality in her life. And that reality is caring for the needs of the poor who come to a mission, an outreach mission called Christie Street. She notes that she receives communications from people about policies and procedures and guidelines and administrative matters. And then there's the often asked question, is anyone down there being rehabilitated? She even suggests, without actually saying it, that sometimes there's an underlying tone to the comments where folks want to know if anything worthwhile is being done with their donations. But the power of Christie Street is where Dorothy and her co-laborers find Christ every day. The power of Christie Street is that Christ is not found in spreadsheets or emails or phone calls about policies and procedures or annual reports. Christ himself, the power of Christ himself, is found in the personal encounters with the people who have hot stew and a piece of bread on a tin plate For most, it will be the only meal they will get all day. Christ is found in knowing someone's name and in sitting down and listening to their story. And Christ is found powerfully in all the lives devoted to being his hands and feet on Christie Street and in all places like Christie Street. Now, by now, you might be wondering what today's scripture text from Acts chapter 4 has to do with who we are today at Yuma First in the 21st century as we search hope and as we do the best we can to reclaim our identity as the body of Christ right here in downtown Yuma, Arizona. Now, in my view, and this is my opinion, this fourth chapter of Acts is, by the way, a turning point in the early stages and formation of the young church in Jerusalem. By now, the apostles have been out on street corners, boldly preaching and bravely healing people. And the results of their ministry has not only gotten them into big trouble, but they have brought thousands of people along with them, not by huddling behind closed doors and arguing about policy and procedure, but by going out into the streets to attend to the needs of the people there. And pilgrims from all over who have been deeply moved by what they see happening, have now joined them. According to scholars, what's going on at this point in the story of the development of the young church is not so much that church folks decided that it was suddenly the right thing to do to share their goods and services with one another. It was mostly for practical reasons at this point that much of the sharing and personal sacrifice came out of necessity because so many people, well over 5,000 by now, had decided 
to give up their previous lives, leave their homes, and follow Jesus. And they needed the means to support the young, growing, learning, and excited church community. You might say this was the first step in sharing God's blessings so they could then go out and be a blessing to all of those persons around them. But exactly how did they do it? A lot of people want to know. The Bible says their achievement, or more importantly, their faithfulness, was the result of no less than four things. Number one, they devoted themselves to God's work. Just like the first disciples left their nets to follow Jesus, these folks left their previous lives to live a brand new life devoted to God wherever God would take them. Prayer. Verse 31, which I did not read today, goes like this. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Thirdly, being of one heart and soul. Let me read that again. Being of one heart and soul. Scholars point out here that the Greek word used in the Bible does not say they were of one mind, that they were magically in full agreement. The word here simply means they shared their deepest longings, their deepest desires, and their yearnings to follow Jesus into the world. Being one with God and trusting each other brought about great power and great grace was upon them all, the Bible says. So in the end, I believe their brave devotion to God and the mission that he put before them far outweighed any differences or squabbles or debates about anything that they might have had. Anything. The desire to follow God into the world and be his hands and feet and meeting the needs of the world around them, that is what drove them. That is what empowered them. Loved ones, I'm asking all of us today to shift our sights away from the preferences, the practices, and the personal likes and dislikes that we may or may not, that may or, that may or may not fuel our Sunday morning spiritual tanks, to, to being of one heart and soul as we stop, listen, be quiet, pray, and realize it is time for us to intentionally change the focus of our energies to fulfilling the big dreams and holy visions that God has set before us. Friends, I'm reminded here of just a few of our service projects. And those of you who were a part of this, which by the way was all of you, you're going to remember the UMCOR health kits, the thousands of emergency health kits that we put together. You're going to remember the UMCOR flood buckets. Remember those? We had the whole community of Yuma working together with us. You're going to remember, especially the Wednesday night group, putting together those summer safety kits for the locals with um, um, a washcloth and uh, uh, creams of all sorts and soap and a, and a toothbrush and things. You're going to remember Two Buck Lunch. How could we ever forget Two Buck Lunch and how that led us into helping the Salvation Army um, uh, staff and, and make preparations for the asylum seekers a couple years ago? And now, most recently, 
we are now involved with uh, humanitarian aid for all of the migrants coming across the border to find a new safe place that they could call home. And certainly not last but not least, and that is the ongoing, hear me, ongoing United Methodist Women's Projects that they put together constantly to provide for the needs of people of all ages. They're the ones right now who are behind, who are behind leading the rest of Yuma First back into the world, into places like Christie Street. Yeah, Christie Street. Living among the needs of the world, meeting hurting people exactly where they are at, reaching toward them and sharing with them God's goodness is a powerful symbol of the truest form of vitality and the most important role of any church, especially the most important role of Yuma First. Friends, I've seen it many times. When we are pouring ourselves, our hearts, and our souls into mission and outreach projects, there's a lightness to our step. These hallways are constantly ringing with the joy of your voices, your faces, and your whole demeanor is changed somehow. Friends, each of you are different when you're convinced that you're doing what God has called you to do. So isn't it time we get past whatever it is that's holding us back and get back to the all-important work of Christie Street? Friends, clearly experience has taught us. We know we have the calling from God. We know we have the know-how. And we know and understand we have the tools to be Christ's messengers in the world around us. We already know Yuma First is an entirely different place when we're reaching out actively, intentionally, in love and service to the world around us, especially to our Yuma community. So how do we get back as our main priority? the dimension of the church, which is clearly the most faithful and life-giving thing that we can possibly be doing? Eastertide is the time to change course and to focus on more urgent matters. That's what the Easter stories are all about in all four Gospels. It's time to get back to being what we what we are already known for here, downtown Yuma. And what is that? Being a vital and faithful community who cares for those around us. Getting back to truly being the church, God's representatives in the world. Yes, friends, I'm here to tell you, our legacy in this community, our legacy in this annual conference is that Yuma First gathers together what God has given us and we go out to Christie Street. That is who we are, and that is what we do. Finally, I want to conclude. I know the sermon's getting long, but give me a few more minutes. I want to conclude today with a word about the coming of your new pastor. Believe me, I know what it's like. Wendy and I both know what it's like to go to a new church appointment where that community, for whatever reason, has become a lifeless, self-centered institution. Virtually like a monument turn inward, focusing only on itself. There seems to be a constant underlying tension, which in my view is evidence of the absence of Christ himself. Any church like that is so institutionalized, it will never see past the mistakes in the Sunday morning bulletin. And that, my friends, that type of church 
That type of church is not who you are, Yuma First. That type of church is not who you are. Wendy and I have also been sent to churches whose heart and soul belong to Jesus, the kind of place that reflects Christ's love and grace to the world. People have a lightness to their step and a flutter in their heart because they can't wait for the next mission of mercy to be unleashed to the world in the holy name of their Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. They're so excited about doing God's work, they cannot wait to return to Christie Street. Friends, this is a fitting description of you. Yes, this is who you are, Yuma First. This is your legacy. This is who you are as a faithful body of Christ in downtown Yuma, Arizona. Yuma First, do you hear me? Therefore, stand up, pick up your mat, and go with grace and power to love and serve the world. The needs of Christie Street, my friends, are waiting for you. Amen.